born to die He might give eternal life that I might live then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Spoke last Wednesday night, and that was part one. And so today I wanted to cover part two, but I thought everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to understand. Because if you don't do this, your Christian life is going to be pretty much a phony. It's not going to be real. There's so much you won't know. You're just going to wing it without understanding really what God's Word says. I found out that a lot of people really don't know how to study the Bible. When I went to Florida Bible College, I was one of those. I was hit and miss, you know, based upon what I need is what I look for. And if I didn't need it, I didn't have to look. I don't need it this week. I don't need it next month. But when I need it, I'm glad that God was on hold. I had him like in an escrow account. I could draw on him whenever I needed him. But I didn't know I needed him all the time. Now I realize that he's more real to me than the clothes that I got on my back. I know the Lord better than I know you. And he's more real to me than you are. And that's not a joke, and that's not being super spiritual. I'm just telling you the truth. But it didn't happen overnight. You have to grow in the Lord after you've trusted Christ as your Savior. So here in these guidelines, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter, chapter 12. And the reason, because when God's Word tells us some things that would help us in our walk with life. We need to take heed. And so here in the Romans in chapter 12, look in verse 1. In verse 1, he says, and this is on page 1206 in a Bible that's in the church up you there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, so we're talking to the believers, by the mercies of God, that means in view of what God has done for you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. So God wants you and I, after we trusted Him and Savior, in view of what He's done for us, to present our bodies to the Lord. Because He says it belongs to Him. He bought and paid for it. Therefore, you are the Lord's. And so He says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, this is not for salvation. This is because you've already trusted the Lord, you have eternal life, and you're supposed to Serve the Lord. So now, when he talks about this reasonable service, serving God is you just doing whatever you want to do for the Lord. you got to find out what does God want me to do for him. 
You don't get to make it up. It's not your plan. It's not your purpose. It's not your goal. It's God's. So we got to find out from the Word of God, what is it that God wants me to do in my service to Him? He didn't leave it a big blank and we get to fill it in. Then look in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Now just think in your own mind. Are you? Are you just like the world? Or are you different from the world? Regardless of what you think it might be. If you're not supposed to be conformed to the world, do you see any difference in your life than the people that are of the world, that don't know the Lord? You know the Lord, they don't know the Lord, what's the difference? Should there be a difference? Look at the next part. But be ye transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Get the rest of it. That you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you transform your life and your reasonable service. That's the result of renewing your mind that you may prove or discover what is that perfect will of God for your life. And many people live their whole lives and never have a clue. Isn't it something that so many people live their lives and have no clue how to go to heaven? And yet going to heaven should be the most easiest thing any preacher should be able to tell. All preachers should tell people exactly the same thing about how to go to heaven. But they don't. Some people are taught that good little boys go to heaven and bad girls go to hell. But the Bible says there is none good. And so it's not a matter of you got to wait till you die and you stand before, you know, this white-haired judge and he's going to put the scales out there and you put all your good works on one side and all your bad ones on the other side. And you got to sit there and figure out, okay, which way is this going to go? And you think you have to wait till you die to find out? No, I've already known for almost 60 years I'm going to heaven whenever I die. Because my eternal salvation doesn't depend upon me and how I live. And this is what blows most people's mind. How you live does not determine your destination. You know, like, if you're good, you'll go to heaven. If you're bad, you'll go down. No, 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 no. God already says, there is none good. We're all bad. All have sinned. And no man can save himself. And if, if it's not by your works, then your works doesn't matter about your eternal destination. And people can't understand this. So they got to put a price tag on salvation. they got to demand you to do something because we know that God must not have meant what he said when he said it was a gift. When God said it was free, when God said it was by grace, he couldn't have meant that because that means you can trust Christ as Savior and don't have to do anything and still go to heaven when you die. Surely God didn't mean that. What if he did? What if that's exactly what he meant? But should there be a guidelines for my life? Now that I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 18 years old, yes, now there should be some guidelines for my life. But the guidelines should be because of my quiet times. Time that I spend with the Lord. Now look at the paragraph that I have here. Every child of God needs to learn what it takes to not only make himself strong, but to keep himself strong. We must be very careful not to judge our own spirituality by the spirituality of others. Although we may do many of the same things, we must be careful not to limit ourselves by the achievements of other believers or to disparage ourselves when we fail to achieve to the height of others' accomplishments. 
In other words, don't limit yourself by your own limited thinking. To judge and compare and to limit yourself according to people is to limit yourself. But when you compare yourself with God, it's unlimited. And therefore, you don't judge yourself according to what other people do or don't do as the measure. So that's why the Bible talks about they that measure themselves among themselves and compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Look at the next paragraph. Since every child of God is different, each one must find those elements of truth that are sufficient not only for your growth in the Lord, but for the consistency in your personal walk with the Lord. So you have the responsibility as an individual child of God. See, God doesn't deal with us on a group. It's individual. God is a personal God. And God knows what every individual child needs. And so he'll work in your life. And I mentioned to them the other night. God may be working in your life on one issue and somebody else's life on another issue. Though we all will have pretty much the same problems in life, we don't have them all at the same time. And we don't all learn the answers the same way. And so that's why by encouraging and praying for one another, we can help each other because of the things that we've gone through, what we've learned. Look at the next statement. Now, this next statement, it seems a little wordy, but it's uh, very important for you to get it. Beware of having the following thoughts. I know my prayer life is right because I pray longer than John, whoever John may be. I know my Bible reading is right because I read longer than John. I know my soul winning is right because I witness more than John. I know my giving to the Lord is right because I give more than John. These things and many more are not the measure of your personal spirituality. You're not judged as a spiritual person just because you do all of those things, because you can do all of those things and not be spiritual. You can come to church every Sunday morning and not be spiritually minded. You can live in this world, trust Christ as Savior, and not set your affections on things that are above. And you'd be surprised how many things that people do think, that proves that I'm right. God looks upon the heart. Now, if you are right with the Lord, want to be right with the Lord, yes, you should pray, and you should witness, and you should read the Bible, and you should meet with other people. Yeah, you should do all of those things. But you can do all of those things and not be right. A lost man can pray, and a lost man can give, and a lost man can go to church, and a lost man can read the Bible. Does that mean he's a spiritual-minded person? If he's not saved, he can't be spiritually minded. So there's a lot of things you can do and measure yourself. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. If you think I'm bad, you ought to look at uh, Jesse of Martinez. And if you think he's bad, you ought to look at, hey, there's no end to that. Well, I'm just as good as, no. Compare yourself with the Lord if you want to do some comparing. When you compare yourself with the Lord, how you doing? And you'll find out you have a little work to do. Look at the thing that I have here. Three key words in effective Bible study. Now, this is a, a take off of the notes from Wednesday night, number one. Number one, meditation. Meditation is like a cow chewing the cud. You know, the cow goes out there and eats some grass and swallows it, and then goes lays underneath the shade tree, brings it back up and chews it again. You see, you read the Word of God, and then you read it again. Then you chew it some more. Then you try to get something out of it. And so there's some things that you should do with the Word of God. After I trusted Christ as my Savior, now I was 18 when I trusted the Lord, I did not know one Bible verse in the Bible. I didn't know one. 
I didn't even know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I could not tell you one book in the Bible. And I'm living here in good old Christian America. Somebody said, are you a Christian? Of course I am. I wasn't born in China. Everybody's a Christian in America, aren't they? But I didn't know what a Christian was. Didn't have a clue. And so I had to start from absolute scratch. And so I started with the Gospel of John. And I tell people, when I lead anybody to the Lord, I say, start with the Gospel of John. Uh, this guy at uh, McDonald's the other day, he pulled out a little New Testament. And he gave it to me. And I opened it up. And it looked identical to the one that was given to me when I was about six or seven years old at the school there in Lexington, Georgia. A lady came to the school and she was giving out little New Testaments. And I remember that somebody showed me a verse, but the verse had barely, barely in it, and that's the only two words, because I didn't understand what those two words meant. That's the only two words I remember seeing. And I never saw that verse again until I was 18. And in John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth in me hath everlasting life. And I, I remember I had searched in a, several Bibles afterward during those years, and I never found those verses. I often wonder, I wonder where they are. I, I remember those two verses. Somebody had shown me that verse when I was a kid. And I had never seen them again. And I saw his Bible, and I opened it up. Nice, clean, pretty white pages, never been touched. <laughs> He says, I always carry it with me. I says, it'll help you if you'll read it. Start with the Gospel of John. I says, read it about three or four times. Then when you get through, read it about four or five more times. And I said, just keep reading the Gospel of John. And it said, don't get into the Old Testament where it says, and so and so begot so and so and so and so begot so and so and so and so forgot so and so and everybody forgot everybody. Just get away from it. Just get in, get in the Gospel of John until you can understand it. And you'll be surprised how much the Lord gives them some milk. But anyway, look at the next statement. Meditation is taking a portion of Scripture, reading it slowly and carefully, thinking and praying about what God is teaching you that may be applied to your life. From meditating on God's Word, there are some things that you can get so that you don't have to be like everybody else in the world. You don't have to go through life stupid. Here's the wisdom of God. Without the Word of God, you're not very bright. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many seminaries and cemeteries you go to and how many universities and all the degrees that you can have. You don't know God. You don't know Jack. Somebody told me that. You don't know Jack. I says, I do too. I led him to the Lord. Jack Matthias. I did too. <laughs> and then another part of my life is I met Jack Weaver down in Florida and he went to Bible college. Became a preacher. So don't tell me I don't know Jack. But the Bible says, here's some things that you can get. Now, get this. The very first word is wisdom. In Psalms 119, verse 98, says, Thou, through thy commandments, the word of God, hast made me wiser than my enemies. The word of God can make you wiser because you'll make better decisions for your life. Get this. We just read in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 about the reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Well, according to this, you can't have the wisdom that you need to transform your life without the Word of God. So if you don't study the Bible, you're going to be lacking a lot of wisdom. So therefore, you're not going to have the discernment you think. And you'll make the best decisions you can. I don't care what it is. 
You'll use all your human knowledge. And you'll talk to people and you'll go through life. But did you do what God wanted you to do with your life? You don't get a, a redo on this. Some people in Congress need to do you leave it go. You don't get a redo on this. But anyway, we'll move right along. The next word is joy. Psalm 63, 5. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. My mouth will praise thee. You see, a lot of people's problems is they don't praise the Lord. They don't even think about God. They just live their life. And their happiness comes from happenings. And if happenings are good for you, I'm happy. And if those things that happen to you are not very happy, well, then you're not happy. So you see, you're basing your happiness upon what's happening. Instead of having joy that has nothing to do with what happens. You can base it upon what God says. And what God says is truth, and it stays the same. It doesn't alter. doesn't falter. It stays the same. Truth is truth. Look at the next word. You ought to read the first psalm all the way through it. It's not a big one, but it's got some important words in there. But here, in Psalms 1, verse 1, blessed. Blessed means happy. In other words, another way of being happy because of who you are and who God is. And when you're doing the will of God, this is why Jesus told his disciples in John 13 and also in chapter 17. He said, happy are ye if you do them. You want to be happy Do the things God says to do, and you ought to be happy. It doesn't depend upon what somebody else does. It doesn't depend upon your health or your finances or anything else. It's just, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with what God's given me? And whatever happens to me, can I accept this and still be happy because of that? So many Christians look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. They're always down, always complaining about everything. Serving the Lord is the most joyful thing that there is because it's based upon what does the Word of God say. And we know that one of these days, one of these days, we're going to get a brand new body. In that little song I just sung, brand new body, when I lay this body down. You see, a few years ago, my body was as healthy as a horse. I don't know how healthy some horses are, but... If I died then, well, I'd have died healthy. Now, who wants to die healthy? So we know we're going to get older, and the older we get, the greater the possibilities of our bodies failing us, and we're going to get older, and we're going to die, as the Bible talks about as a, a flower that grows and then withers away. And one of these days, all of us, if we all live long enough, we're all going to have limitations in these bodies of what we can and cannot do but we're going to get a new body. I can be happy about that if I think about that. But most don't want to think of beyond this life, but it is important to think about. But look at the next statement. A blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the counsel, or scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The word of God. The word of God can do so much. You read the 19th Psalm because the 19th Psalm will tell you not only about the world that God made, but the word that he gave and what the world can do and what the word can do because God is God of both. Look at the next statement. The word life. Proverbs 16, 22, understanding is a wellspring of life 
In other words, it's what gives you that vitality, the vigor, the to want to do something, to keep going, to keep moving, to do all that you can to the Lord. Don't die until you time to die. Don't die until you're dead. Now, a lot of people I know, they're walking around, but they've already died. But they're walking around, and they're still breathing, they're eating. But as far as the Word of God goes and their life goes for the Lord, they're like dead people. God can't use them. They accomplish nothing. Pretty much just taking up space. That's why he says in the book of Ephesians, Wake up from the dead. He's talking to his children. Look at the next statement here. The word success. Everybody wants to be a success. Well, you have to define what does success mean to you. I want to be a success. You want to be a success. But you've got to find out, well, what does success mean as far as God is concerned? Well, we know that Jesus was not a success because he came in here and everybody rejected him. And they crucified him. He only got to live about 33 years, but he was a failure. If there was a failure, that was Jesus. And if there's anybody been a failure, you take those apostles that followed him, they all died cruel deaths. I mean, they didn't, none of them died rich. You're talking about they just didn't have it together. They wasted their lives. But see, it all depends on from whose eyes are you looking at. And even the apostles, when he says there in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, oh, we are looked upon as fools. Fools for Christ's sake. We're like the gutter, the garbage of the world. That's how Paul said that people saw them. They were ignorant fishermen. But were they successful in God's eyes? You're not at success just because you can make money. But if that's your goal and you can make money, I guess you could say you're successful. But is that how God judges? God judges totally different. Man looks upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. And God knows whether or not, I thought about this. You ever heard of the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And the rich man, he was really successful and went to hell. Lazarus was a poor man. And God, in the person of Jesus Christ, told the story in the book of Luke 16. And told the story about Lazarus who was laid at the rich man's gate full of sores. And dog came and licked his sores. He didn't have anything. He was a beggar. And he died and was taken in Abraham's bosom. And here's the man in hell. And he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now which one was successful and which one was a failure? The rich man was a failure. Not the poor man. But you see, things are determined sometimes by our perspective. If all you want to be is a beachcomber, you can be a success. You can be a person who just wants to live on, that's all I want, I just want to live on the streets. And if you can achieve that, then you can say I'm a success. But I'm talking about in the eyes of God. And God gave us his word so that you can succeed, accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. That's why I'm not too impressed because of who people are or what they have. I'm more concerned about, do you know the Lord? Are you serving God? And what you have does not necessarily mean God is blessing you or chastening you or, you know, punishing you. There's things that you need to understand. Look at this here word. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, because it already says, As I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. And he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, get this, that thou mayest observe to do. In other words, without the word of God, without the meditating and studying and finding out, then you don't know what to do. You just do what you think is best. If the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his after you trusted Christ as your Savior, is it still possible that you can still go your own way? And it'll seem right. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And they don't sit, they've lost discernment, but they can't condemn themselves because they don't think they're wrong. Only when you compare it with what the book says. And those people don't want to compare it with what the Bible says. That's called a mental isolationist. It's like a Jehovah's Witnesses. They can think over here, and then something that's totally contrary can put it over here. And never the two shall meet. And so there's a lot of people who live their whole lives the same way. Look at the next part of this verse. According to all that is written therein, for and in that word then, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You see, Joshua is going to be successful based upon did he meditate upon the Word of God, that he could prosper in what God wanted him to do. You are a success if you accomplish what God wants you to do. So don't you think it's important to find out what does God want me to do? Well, here's the Bible. There's the Bible. It's called the Word of God. I teach a Sunday school class every Sunday morning at 9.30. You would think... It'd be packed with people hungry to study the Word of God. But is it? No. Why? Because Yankee doesn't know how to teach the Bible. Would that be a good reason? Or could it be that people are just not hungry? They're not hungry. Not hungry enough, because that would take more dedication, more sacrifice, and it's easier not to do it. When we teach on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, is because, well, we're not going to really teach the Bible that night. So you don't need that. You'd be surprised what people say by what they do. Now look at the next statement. Peace. 119th Psalm. You remember whenever I told you that I really dedicated my life to the Lord? Was I was in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I went in the house and I opened up the Bible. I couldn't find what I wanted to find. I was looking all over the place. And finally I opened the Bible up to 119th Psalm. And I read some of these verses. And lo and behold, 9, 10, and 11. Kind of knocked me upside the wall. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And it says, How at all shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Look at this verse here. Here it says in Psalms 119, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Because you see, you realize, I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm living for the Lord. So when people attack me, they're attacking the one I'm living for. And I can say, Lord, you see what those people said about you? And I've warned people. I said, look, I'm a child of God. Not just a child of God, I'm a man of God. And you attack me, God will get you. 
You say, you believe that? Yes. I've never seen anybody attack me and win in 55 years. I've had a lot of people say all kinds of things, and I'd watch just, you know how I did deal with my critics? I just outlive them. But I just watch, and I see this happening. I see God doing this. God doing I could write a book thinking about it. I'm not sure I'm going to live long enough to write any more books. Amazing grace amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing.